Cindy's Choice is powered by integrity-centric businesses found at cindyschoice.com. It's Cindy's Choice to be brave and make a difference. Cindy here, and thank you always. Thank you for being here as I share my destitute to destiny story. And I'm sharing a lot about early destitute. (laughs) And not just, you know, when I say destitute, I'm not just referencing, you know, financially like poverty, but, you know, destitute of love. I was not loved. I was not loved. And, you know, you don't know that whatever's around you, whatever's demonstrated to you, especially by your parents, is your demonstration of love. So that really sets you off on a really shaky path. And, you know, that you do come out of that a little crazy. You do. That messes with, you know, that's why my mother had mental illness. I don't know what she had to go through as a child. I've, I, I, I know, like, I, I know that she was on her own. Um, see, she was two years old when her father died. They lived on a farm. She was two years old. She was the ninth child of 10. The 10th child died. And when her father died at two, her mother had to move to town to go to work. And she was raised by her siblings. And, you know, I just, I can't imagine, you know, what um, affected her uh, and and put her off on the path that that she was on. But I can tell you this, I had the same kind of beginnings, if, if not worse. I don't know. I don't know exactly what she dealt with. Yet, I recognized that, you know, I had to make some choices along the way to change the direction of my life and change where I was going. So I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how that works and how I somehow, you know, how did I get integrity? <laughs> I remember, you know, wanting to do the right thing from the very beginning and, and trying hard to do the right thing. So I, I don't know, but I know it does come down to choice. It does come down to choice. So as I jump back into the story, I'd gotten to a place where, you know, now we're in, we're in Irving, Texas, you know, suburb of Dallas, and mom had told me to leave. But I'm going to back up briefly because I mentioned earlier, I do not know. I have no idea who my biological father is or was. I do not have any idea about that part of my family. But, um, you know, I told you how my mom was married to my stepfather from when I was age four till I was like nine, tenish. I, I think I was maybe barely 10. And I, you know, there was a gentleman that I was told was my father and he's my older sister's father. And we would go visit them like during the summer and, you know, the three of us girls and, you know, it, it was our father. We called him daddy. And I guess I do need to focus on this a little bit. This had a, little, a lot of, of bearing on my story because this was a really uh, dysfunctional kind of visit, as I could always tell, you know, um, I could always tell that something was up, that I was treated differently, that my grandmother treated me differently, my aunt treated me differently um, than, than my sisters, and my dad, my so-called dad, treated me differently. He was very inappropriate with me. And, you know, um, we, we would go stay there, and he lived a pretty uh, uh, racy lifestyle. I don't, can't think of the word right now to define, but 
I, I know like there was times, a lot of times I, we would go there and he'd be living like with his girlfriend and I would visit my, you know, aunt and my grandmother. And it seems like my little sister would stay with one of them, but I was the one to go stay at my dad's with his girlfriend and two sons. So, you know, here I was 12, 13, and she had a teenage son. So a lot of the, a lot of times I was dodging uh, inappropriate advances there. And then it wasn't just that. The man who was told was my father would say very inappropriate things to me and ask me very inappropriate questions. You know, and I remember like um, there being stacks of pornographic magazines underneath his bed. Um, I, I remember that he would start drinking at noon every day and, and be too, and cook dinner and be too drunk to eat it and, you know, go crash. So there was the, um, the dysfunction on that end as well. But also, you know, he was daddy, but he would, when he would start drinking and have too much to drink, you know, and be inappropriate with me and, you know, tell me that I was his favorite and, um, uh, you know, just details that we don't need to, to share too much about, but, uh, he would tell me, he'd go, well, you know, you're not really my daughter. And, um, I didn't believe him because he was drunk and that's, he messed with people. He, he was, he was very funny. He messed with people. And, and like when, um, uh, yeah, he did, he just, I, I'll include that here shortly. He just, he was just a practical joker kind of messed with people. So I didn't really believe him when he said he wasn't my father, but he would tell me, this was in Phoenix City, Alabama, where we were visiting, and he would tell me that my father was a fair, a, a fair, a tall, fair-haired businessman in Columbus, which is like right across Columbus, Georgia, right across the bridge. And, I, you know, in my kind of confused child mind, I thought he was just messing with me, and especially the next day when he was sober, and he would tell me he was just messing with me, but it's still, there was this kind of, you, you know, I, I could tell I didn't fit. I could tell I didn't belong, but I really wasn't. It didn't make sense that, you know, somebody else was my father when there was no one acknowledging that I had another father. So there were, there was that kind of, of, an, you know, another inappropriate relationship. So when it gets to the point where, you know, we're in Irving and I finally, you know, kind of it wasn't even standing up to I wasn't standing up to my mother or trying I just you know lost it for a minute I I just you know had expressed some emotion and you know I had to go I had to leave now what's crazy about this is I, I told you about how I'd go stay like with some of my girlfriends and um when like a they actually try to remember I'm like I said I haven't thought about this in detail I can't remember the order or the sequence of things but at that time if you weren't living with living with a legal guardian or married you could not go to school I mean how crazy is that but this is true so whenever this happened and I wasn't uh oh the school had found out that I wasn't living at home and that was because my mother was sure to let them know and uh, cussed me and cussed them and uh, made a big scene about it. They let me know that, well, you can't go to school, which is 
kind of crazy. Well, so this one of my friends uh, whose parents just love me and love that I hung out with their daughter. They're like, well, we'll just temporarily adopt you. We'll adopt you to your 18 and we can take care of you and you can go to school. And they'd actually gone and talked to the superintendent of schools and said, hey, this is a situation and we want to do this. Well, when they called my mother to see about temporarily adopting me, she went all out at them and just, you know, cussed them for everything they were worth and cussed me and cussed the school and cussed everybody involved. And so that was really, you know, I, I quite honestly, I could deal with my mom not being able to take care of me. I got it. I got that she had some issues. And, you know, it's one thing, though, that, you know, not taking care of someone or not being able to or not wanting to, but not allowing others. Like, why wouldn't she allow them to help me? And I don't remember quite the order of all this, but that wasn't allowed. And I couldn't get an apartment. I was too young. But I was working, of course. I had a, a restaurant job. And I was, I was working at a mes- Mexican restaurant at the time. And um, my boss, at the time, he was 21. And I went and found an apartment that, was, I, that I could afford and not in a good area, not like good apartments for a 15-year-old girl to be living it alone. But it was um, what I thought I could, you know, manage. And they, of course, they wouldn't rent to me. So he went and actually, I paid for the apartment. But I remember so well, it was like, um, I think I made like my paycheck was $160 every two weeks. And I think I, I paid 80, $85 every two weeks. Like I paid my, my, so it was like $160 in rent or something like that. I forget. It was, it was, it, like I said, I'm still, I'm just processing this and thinking this through again with you, with you. So, um, I, you know, I had to get it in someone else's name, but I, I fully paid the rent and lived there completely alone. And then the other crazy part is, you know, I shared with you how at my mom's apartment where I stayed briefly, cause I was a lot staying with uh, friends at their homes and at, I'd, I'd, uh, furnished those houses. I wasn't allowed to take a single thing. So you got to get out. I got to go get my own apartment. I couldn't take a piece of silverware, not one piece of furniture that I'd bought or anything. So I do remember that the, the manager who became a very dear, dear friend uh, of the, the hotel, he felt so bad for me. He bought, I remember he bought just a, a bed, a small TV and um, a pier one rocker. <laughs> it was one of those bamboo rocking chairs. So I at least had something. And then I kind of, you know, kind of rebuilt from there and um, the the apartments, it, I remember like the apartments weren't far from his parents' home. And I remember that they were really kind. And, um, you know, I, I remember being there for dinner and stuff at times. And, uh, you know, people like they wanted to be supportive. But, you know, my mom was so crazy. It's like you, you kind of want to help, but you got to keep your distance as well. I actually remember um, this friend kind of bringing up something once about like, man, like he was starting to talk about my mom. Like, I don't get your mom, you know? And I immediately like shut him down. You know, I was like, and, and I realized now I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't accept and, 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 and process that. I, I had, you know, I, denial was my survival and I just had to just ignore it. 
you know. And so here I am in, in this apartment and I didn't have a car. I, I taxi cabbed or friends would come get me and uh, drop me off places and, and so forth like that. Uh, but I'm telling you, it wasn't a good safe place to be. And what I would do was um, there like it was a second floor apartment and the the stairs were like, di- you know, diagonal across the downstairs window. So when I would walk up the stairs, um, a bunch of um, a bunch of guys that, you know, lived in an apartment together and they they slept on mattresses and so forth like that. And they, I can't remember exactly, they were, um, um, what's, what am, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, I can't think of their, na- the nationality, but they, you know, they weren't from here. And so they were all living together, like, you know, probably trying to live cheap and, and find work and so forth like that. And they were probably, you know, come to think of it, they were probably most likely illegal. And, so they, they just had mattresses all over the floor and a bunch of them lived in this little apartment. So here I, you know, here I am walking up the st- up and down the stairs every day and they would stand at their window with hardly anything on and like, you know, cackle at me and so forth like that. And then I got up to the top of the stairs and I had to go down a couple of doors with that first door at the top of the stairs. That's where the kickboxer guy lived that would, you know, beat up his girlfriend all the time. So... And there was other like kind of scary incidents that I just try to get in and out as as quickly as possible. But so once I was in what my, I had an alarm system and what I would do, I would actually take cans and stack them in front of my door and in front of the front window. Because I felt like at least if somebody did try to get in, maybe if the cans fell, that would startle them, you know, where, you know, something's up or maybe it would give me some kind of little notice <laughs> somebody was getting in but that was kind of my little alarm system but I remember um at some point I I really got tired of the guy next door like you know beating up uh his girlfriend or, or whatever the situation was there and I called the police well not long after the police left that evening there was this like huge like bang at my door and when I got brave enough to open my door which was the next day it was bashed in and he, I'm, he'd taken like he'd kickboxed my front door. So it, it just was not a really good situation for a 15 year old girl uh, to be living alone. And there, um, and you would think it'd be like party central, you know, I, cause I, I turned 16 while I was in that apartment. You'd think it'd be party central and I had it all going on, but no, it wasn't like that at all. I tried to go to school. I still tried to go to school. I didn't have a car. So friends would come by and pick me up and take me to school. And um, I, I tried to find work that was close so I could walk or taxi cab it to work or whatever I needed to do. But of course, you know, at that pace, um, it, you, I, you can't keep up school and work at that age very well along. So at some point I did, I, you know, I'd mentioned the person that I thought was my father at the time. I did try to go back there because I really did. I wanted to go to school and, and, you know, build a life for myself. So I went back there and I, I, I remember very well, um, my, my grandmother and, uh, the person that I thought was my dad, they lived together at the time. 
And I remember my, my grandmother wasn't too pleased about me coming there, but uh, my dad had invited me back there so I could go to school. And I really appreciated that. And, you know, and even then, it's kind of crazy, even though the inappropriateness was there and everything, you know, in my mind, he was still my dad and my grandmother was there. So I, you know, I, at least it was somebody who was showing, you know, some, some kind of demonstration. They were cared about my future and me. So I went back there and um, they'd gotten me a really good job. Uh, my wonderful aunt had, um, she had gotten me a job and um, I was going to night school. But of course, again, you know, my father was an alcoholic and that that didn't go well at all because you know, it wasn't long before it wasn't just like his drinking. I got, um, cause I would, he would give me the car, but I would have to pick him up. And, and, you know, after I got out of work, I'd have to pick him up and, you know, get him home, which, you know, he'd start drinking at noon at work. It, you know, he had a car lot, so he'd start drinking at noon at work. So, um, and that's how I was telling you, like, you know, he was kind of a cut up and would mess with people. And that's why I didn't really know what to trust, what he would say. Like every time I'd go pick him up, depending on who was in the um, office, you know, he like one day I was in a lawyer. The next day I was, you know, um, a doctor. He'd say, yeah, this is my daughter. She's a doctor. And he'd be messing with somebody and tell him, say, yeah, I want you to look at him. I've been telling him he's got some garments on him. And that person would be like, what, what, what have I got on me? And he'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cindy, don't you think, don't you think he needs to go get that checked out? Doesn't he have some garments on him? And I'd be like, yeah, he's got some garments on him, dad. <laughs> so he just liked to kind of mess with people and, and stir them up and, and so forth like that. So I did, you know, when he was drinking, I wasn't paying much attention to what he said. But at some point, and, and it was, it was so hard because they had a good job with people that were very supportive and really cared about me. There were some family members that were trying to look out for me, but it got so inappropriate with my mom drink, my dad drinking. And then of course, you know, inhibitions go down and, you know, he was just getting more and more inappropriate with me. And so at some point we realized, you know, I got to go back to Texas. And this was really, really one of the like most, um, I want to say painful, but, it, you know, like I said, I don't, to me anymore, it's not me. It's not me. I don't, I don't, but it was just such a hard time because, you know, I tried my best there to go to school, you know, do, do something there. It didn't work. So here I go back to Texas. Well, I remember being at DFW airport and I had like four or five bags with me, you know, whatever, because I tried to take everything I could there and I, I, I had, you know, was kind of trying to keep up with my stuff and at a payphone. And so I call my mother, you know, who am I going to call? And I call my mom and I'm like, um, you know, hey, mom, I'm, you know, I'm back here. I'm back in, Ir you know, in Irving or, or in Dallas. The first thing, the very first thing out of her mouth, where are you going to stay? I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, I don't know. And um, my older sister had an apartment. So she was, it was a small apartment, but she was able to kind of like take me in briefly. And it wasn't long after that, that, you know, I lied my way back into school <laughs> and another really dear dear friend her family took me in and I, I was able to go stay with them and they're just a loving family but 
you know, even that, and that was like a time in my life where I really did have some peace and, and did feel like, you know, cared about briefly. Yet it wasn't long that the school needed something. And um, I don't think they called my mom, but maybe we'd given them that number. And I think little sis or, you know, her little sister or something said the wrong thing. And the school found out that I was not living with my legal guardian or married. And literally, they said, they call me the office and like, Cindy, you can't go to school. I mean, it's just, it's just hard to fathom that 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 happened. But that's how it was. And what was crazy, like, one of the earlier times that happened, you know, I was pretty upset. And you know, here I am trying so hard to go to school and work and, and do what I need to do. And they, um, I, I'd left school. And then another, so when I was able to get back in school, like when that one family went to the superintendent and were trying to adopt me and, and help me back into school. Well, when I got back in school, I had to serve detention because the day they told me I couldn't go to school anymore, I'd left in the middle of the day <laughs> for real. <laughs> so I, there, you know, it was, they're, they're just, they weren't paying attention. Obviously they weren't paying attention, but, uh, but Hey, that's a good place to, to a good stopping place for today, but we'll, we'll pick back up, uh, on more and, um, kind of get on into, um, the, the, the fun twenties. There's, there's a, a, a fun early ad- adulthood kind of story and, and we'll plow on through and get to the parts where I end up, you know, homeless and, um, alone and on the streets and navigating and networking my own way to now be able to, um, be building something way bigger than me that's uh, going to have like a incredible impact to really make a difference so just want to thank you always and I want to leave you with this lead with love lead with love seek first seek first to understand and go make good choices overcoming major life challenges that left Cindy homeless and alone on the city streets puts her in a unique position to make an impact Contribute to the cause by utilizing the integrity-centric businesses found at cindyschoice.com. Thank you for being a part of our mission for change, because we can do so much more together.